Hey everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today you're listening to episode 186 and I'm talking with Jenny Jurek. This is actually Jenny's second appearance on the podcast. She popped in at the very end of episode 164 when I interviewed her husband, Scott Jurek, live here in Indianapolis. So it was really great to talk with Jenny. I always knew I wanted to do a full episode with her to share her story. And I just loved getting to know her when she was here in Indianapolis and am honored that we got to have a second conversation. Jenny is the mother of two. She's a runner. And in this episode, she shares with us her journey to how she became a runner from when she ran her very first 5K all the way to her first 100-mile race. She's done two of those, by the way. Jenny is a very good designer. She's worked for companies like Patagonia. And recently, she created a really awesome pack for Ultimate Direction. So she's worked for a lot of companies in the outdoor space. And she tells us about her journey there, like her career path from quitting a job in business that she really wasn't passionate about to packing up and doing what she loved and pursuing that. You know I love a good how they met story. So she shares with us how her and Scott met. And then she shares with us a little bit about their fertility struggles, some miscarriages, and what led them to taking their trip on the Appalachian Trail. You guys, if you haven't picked up their book, Scott and Jenny's book, North, make sure you read that. I listened to it on audio back in the day. It's really good. And we didn't talk about the AT too much in this episode because there were so many other things to talk about, but you could read all about it in their book. I have to let you guys know, if you can't tell already, I have a really sore throat and I'm very quickly losing my voice. So if this is your first episode listening to the podcast, I promise my voice isn't always this scratchy, but this is what I'm working with today. And actually it's what I was working with in the interview with Jenny. I, um, I just, we just recorded this on Wednesday, two days ago. So I was already losing my voice then as well. As the episode goes on, you'll kind of see it slowly fading. Before we get started talking with Jenny, I want to tell you guys about the Susan G. Komen three-day that's coming up across seven cities, including Detroit, Twin Cities, New England, Seattle, Philadelphia, San Diego, and Dallas. You guys can join the fight against breast cancer at the Susan G. Komen three-day. I don't know if you've heard of this event before, but it's a really cool three-day event where you walk 60 miles and you can do it with a group of friends. So over 500,000 people nationwide have walked 60 miles over three days, raising funds to help end breast cancer. So you can be a part of this and take this challenge. This is a mission that's very important in my own life. I'm positive for the BRCA2 gene mutation, and that puts me at an 86% risk of breast cancer in my lifetime. In 2013, I made the decision to have a prophylactic double mastectomy, and That was a really emotional time in my life, but man, I'm so thankful for research that's been done so that I could have had a blood test to even know that I was positive for the mutation. I know that most of us have been affected by breast cancer in some way. You can join the fight if you go to the3day.org. You can register and learn more. Again, that's the3day.org. And before we get started talking with Jenny, I... I'm sending all my love and thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of Gabe Grunwald. I know that her death this week has affected so many of us listening here today, so many of us in this running community and in this space. And um, I'm sure you guys have been thinking about her and her family 
just as much as I have been. So in case anybody is a friend or family member of Gabe, I want to say we're all thinking about you and praying for you. And if you are looking to do something to support rare cancer research, Gabe passed away from a rare form of cancer, you can go to bravelikegabe.org to donate to the foundation that she set up. And all the donations benefit rare cancer research centers, including Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center and Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. So it's tough and um, heavy, but we're thinking of everybody who's involved. And uh, Gabe will always be an inspiration and her legacy will live on for years to come. All right, friends, let's go ahead and enjoy my conversation with Jenny Jurek. Today on the podcast, I'm so excited to welcome Jenny Jurek to the show. Welcome to all have another Jenny. Thanks, Lindsay. It's great to talk to you again. So we got to meet in person back in January when you and Scott were in Indianapolis and we did the live podcast. That was so fun. That was an amazing event. I have to say Indianapolis really brought it. I mean, who knew there were so many trail excited trail runners in Indiana, right? I know. It really blew me away, but... Um, that was such a fun event. It was well organized all around. Oh, thank you. Well, I like I I could not believe that it ended up coming together. Like I was like, what are the odds? The jerks are going to be in town. <laughs> and like I met. So just the way it came about, like I met your friend on vacation and like just the way everything kind of like pieced together. I was like, this is too good to be true. And then um, you guys brought your kids and like that entire restaurant was totally full and Scott talked to every single last person in that restaurant, <laughs> did he not? He did. And it was, it was pretty impressive just for us, you know, cause we have, you know, like our friend runs in Indianapolis and we have a few friends, but we don't really know the extent of the running community there. And it's huge. And also there were so many hikers and through hikers and um, people who came. So it was a great like it was a great community to really just experience oh thank you well we're very I'm very proud of my little my little big city here in Indianapolis um so Jenny okay I was first introduced to you through your book North oh thank you well I'm glad you read it (laughs) yeah I listened on audio when I was um at right after I had my my last baby and I started listening in the hospital room. So we have this like very special like relationship because I was like listening to your voice postpartum. I know I'm very honored that you um, listened to our book and that really, you know, those special first moments of your baby. Um, So thank you. Well, it's kind of cool to get to know someone like that too, because like I'm hearing your story, like I'm, I'm hearing your story of Scott's journey and your journey doing the AT um, but I also get to hear your voice behind it and like kind of the events that led up to that moment in your life. So it's kind of a really cool way to get to know somebody. You know, I mean, when we wrote the book, it was it was just trying to be as honest as possible and to not do just like a play by play. of This is what happened. But really the time in our lives and mostly the time in Scott's life. But we couldn't really tell that story without all the backstory. So every time we went through like three different drafts and oh, every time, you know, I'm just like, 
we have to be like more open, more honest because, you know, it's just, we just really had to like put it all out there and like really get to the heart of all the issues and the whys and stuff like that. Well, I want to get, I want to, I want to introduce you and like let the audience really know who Jenny is because um, for those listening who maybe heard my live podcast recording with Scott Jurek, Jenny came in at the end of the interview and I always knew I wanted to interview you one-on-one, not just like at the end of Scott's <laughs> interview. Um, you deserve your very own interview. So can you share with us a little bit about um, your life growing up and, you know, your transition from the career path you originally started with to your design journey and just kind of how you got started ultra running and all that? Um, sure. Okay. I'm a little intimidated and flattered that you wanted me on the podcast, but I know you have like real rock star runners. So you are a real rock star runner. Honor to be on your podcast. Um, and I guess the quick, you know, I grew up kind of suburban in the East Bay area of California and I never did run. I never ran in school. I never was really like outdoorsy until um, I decided to go to college in Boulder um, and just on a whim because I, a friend of mine in school, her older sister went to Boulder and I remember looking through the brochures and being like, oh, those mountains are so pretty. So I just, um, I decided to go to Boulder and then that's where I got into rock climbing and um, just really started to like open my eyes to camp backpacking and hiking 14ers and being just a little more active. Um, and then, but, but still I never ran in college, like not even just for fitness. Um, and then I graduated from college. I lived in San Francisco for a year and I was, I had a business degree, international business, cause I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I started, I was just working in for an investment banking company in like the financial district and like the heyday of all that stuff in San Francisco, but I hated it. And then (laughs) I just remember looking online, trying to find jobs and my dream job. I always wanted to work at Patagonia um, just because I love the company. I love what they stood for. And I found a job um, in San Francisco working for a company called Moonstone. And I don't know if people remember it. It was, you know, a really solid outdoor brand back in the day. Um, And I started working there in like the customer service department. I quit my finance job and um, they moved to Seattle. And so I moved with them and I didn't know anybody. I didn't know a single soul in Seattle, but I always knew that I loved the Northwest because we'd visit when I was a kid with my family and just something about the lushness. And, you know, I love all the green trees and the water. Um, but I moved to Seattle and I started working for Moonstone there and I just decided to do a 5k because I didn't have anything else to do that weekend. And I thought it would be a good way to get familiar with the city, meet new people. And then I just started doing 5k's, 10k's and I never ran before, but it just seemed like a, so it was something I could look forward to. And, um, I did start meeting people and then just through running like so many doors opened up to me and I met a lot of friends and that's really how I fell in love with it. Okay question 
when you okay. when you quit your job and business mm-hmm. and finance and you moved to this other company like did you take a big pay cut and was that in, was that scary you were young enough that that it wasn't scary what was that decision like yeah it was a it was a huge pay cut yeah um but you know, I was still, I was just 21. So it's not like I was making a ton of money anyway, but, um, but I, it was just, I think it was more just like a lifestyle choice of like, I don't really want to be doing this. I don't, um, it was more like, I got to follow my, my passion, I guess, and kind of continue on my outdoor journey, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so and once I did, you know, it felt like it felt like the right choice. And unfortunately, like six months later, they were sold and they moved. But it was a blessing because I got I, you know, got they paid for me to move up to Seattle because I was the only person willing to move. <laughs> so um, so then, yeah, it started this whole new chapter in my life. And it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just a really important piece of the story because you could have just like put your head down and like stayed there. And <laughs> even though it wasn't like the money wasn't that big of a deal because you're so young still and there's so much to do. Like what if you would have put your head down for like five more years even and just kept doing what I, you hated? I know. I definitely, I feel so lucky because they were grooming me. They're like yeah. putting all this money into me, taking all these extra classes, getting certified, doing all this stuff. And I was like, groomed to be like you know these a broke like pretty much like work at this brokerage firm and I just like ooh I didn't I had to wear a suit every day and I was only 21 I'm like this is this just doesn't feel it doesn't feel like me this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life so it was kind of alarming and I think maybe my parents were like ah. But, um, but you know, everybody supported me and, and I'm just so happy that I made the decision early to, to actually pursue something that I was interested in. Okay. So Moonstone gets sold. How do you mm-hmm. end up working for Patagonia, which was originally your dream? <laughs> yeah, I know. So Moonstone moves to Seattle and then they get sold a bunch of different times. And, um, while I'm in Seattle started to run, I met a bunch of people who worked at this company called Montrail, which was a trail running shoe company. Um, and they offered me a job maybe like a year after I moved to Seattle. And so I started working at Montrail and I didn't know what ultra running was, you know, like they would tell me, Oh, 50 K. And I, that like blew my mind that people would run a 50 K. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? that's not possible. You know, I was just like, I was just so green to everything. And, um, and then I was working at Montreal and one of the designers just, you know, started helping me or asking me to help with colors and textures and like different, um, different patterns for the shoe designs. And I really loved that. I was like so into it. And then, I decided to go to design school um, to pursue like a design career. And I was still working at Montreal full time. And I went to this design school in Seattle. Um, And then I got, it was only a two year program. So then I got my design degree and then I had, I quit working at Montreal and then I went back to Moonstone as an assistant designer. 
And then they got sold again to Columbia. And I got a different job for outdoor research. Sorry, I'm like thinking about my whole career track here. And then um, I started working for outdoor research or OR. And I loved working for them. And I was a designer at that point. And then I just run like my first 100 miler and I was feeling great. And then my boyfriend of three years and I just decided to break up. And it was not, I won't say it was mutual, but it was definitely me being like, where, where are we going with this? Are we like, get, are we going to get married? Or are we not? And, you know, and he was like, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to get, I don't think I want to marry you. And Why then, are we still doing this? I, I know. And then I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, still, there's like still so much love. I like love that he did that for me. Like he sure. set me free. But, um, but that like really hurt. And I just was like, I got to get out of here. I got to leave Seattle, even though I lo- I grew to love Seattle and I still love it so much. But I had to leave and like get out of that situation. So I bumped into a friend of mine in the outdoor industry who had just started working at Patagonia. And he was like, hey, they're hiring for designers. So I applied and I was just like, I know that they get like 400 applications for everything. And I was like, nah, you know, shot in the dark. But I was happy where I was. And so I applied and then the interview process took forever because there's there's like eight rounds of (laughs) different meetings and interviews, phone calls. And um, and then I got hired and I was just like, so I couldn't believe it. Like something bad happened to me, but it turned into something great. And so I moved down to Ventura. And again, I, I knew one person um, and just kind of started over again, like building a community, um, f- familiarizing myself. And, and again, that's like where running really helps me because I just, I kind of ran around to, um, know the environment and get to know people and I did races and um and yeah so that's how I ended up at Patagonia okay so how long did you work at Patagonia and is it in is it Ventura is that in California Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's it's just like 30 minutes south of Santa Barbara or 20 20 minutes um and I worked there for three years and I would have stayed there forever, but I just, I'm not a Southern California oh, person. Sure. I, but I, you know, I still, it's like family. I love that company. I love everything about it. I still, it was like my dream come true, but it's really far from, I, you had to drive a lot. You had to drive to climbing, drive to running to like, you know, to do real trail runs. And, um, I started dating Scott when I moved, when I was living in Ventura and he was still, run like pursuing racing and stuff so we decided to move to boulder together and that felt right at the time yeah okay so you just like skimmed over the fact that you had just run your first hundred miler we went from i ran a 5k to oh it was right after i ran my first hundred miler so like because a lot of people i i it seems like the process of getting into maybe even marathoning like that process is expedited more these days because people glamorize the marathon and those Mm -hmm, bigger distances you know um but you you really don't see a lot of people that actually make it to not only the not let alone the 100 mile distance you don't even see a lot of people go to 50 so when did it turn into like oh, i'm gonna run some 5ks here and there to like i'm gonna do my first hundred um yeah i guess 
that does seem a little fast there. Um, I, <laughs> You're so funny. I, well, I did 5Ks and 7, then I started working for Montreal, and then I remember, like, I ran the Seattle Half Marathon. And I thought, you know, I was just like, whoa, that was so hard. It took me, like, 2.16. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I think I was wearing even, like, jogging pants. Like, but it was so fun, like, that high of, like, finishing. It was totally something out of my comfort zone. Um, And then the next year, because I was around all these ultra runners, um, including Scott, he was a Montreal athlete at the time. He would stop in the office. His photos, posters were like all over the office. Who is this guy? (laughs) No, I mean, he had like long curly hair and a ponytail. I was just like, these are like weird, eccentric, hippie runners. Like, (laughs) this is not my jam. I don't know. But, um... I just, um, I, the next year I ran the Seattle full and my cubicle mate was Chrissy male and she was training for her first 50 K. And I was like, here's this girl who's like totally normal. She seems, you know, she's, there's nothing like, she's not hippie eccentric. She's just like total cutesy, um, you know, great student, super smart, so nice. And she was going to run this 50K, which I was just like blown away. And we shared a cubicle and she was like, oh, I'll come, I'll run with you. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. So somewhere in my head, I went, you know, I had heard some guy, like some kind of frat guy talking in line. He was like in line in front of me and he was like, oh, you have to run under four hours at the marathon to be to, to have like a respectable time and I was like Ugh. I was like Ugh, that's like a stupid thing to say but then in the <laughs> back of my head I was just like I'm gonna do that I'm just I really wanted to like just kind of I don't know just like show prove myself yeah, for some to this dumb mean guy I, yeah to this total nobody I don't even know <laughs> but I was like okay well that was kind of my goal and then Christy was like, I'll run with you. And she found me somehow, like, at the, basically, when you cross this bridge, Mercer Island Bridge, she found me, and she just ran with me um, for the last, I think, 13 miles, and she kept looking at her watch, and she's like, oh, we can do this. We can totally Aww. do this. Yeah, it was awesome, and she totally got me in, and then all these other ladies were, like, hanging on to Christy, too, <laughs> and we're like, yes, and we... Um, she ducked out because she didn't want to like right. cross the finish line or whatever. But um, three fifty eight, and I was like, oh my gosh, this girl just like, you know, pushed me, and I just really loved that feeling and that camaraderie, and I loved that accomplishment. And so then she, I mean, I really have to give so much credit to Chrissy because she opened my eyes to like what, you know, running with girls and, um female like strong females and um she was like you could do a 50k like so then I did my first 50k and then and then I did a 50 miler and then I don't and then I had been around it enough that there was a local 100 miler called the Cascade Crest 100 and a bunch of my friends had done it and I'd crewed at it while I was in um, design school and I was like oh, like I really want to try this because it just seemed like the natural progression of like 
pushing your your boundaries, I guess. And then I finished design school, um, and I and then that next summer I signed up. And that was back in the day when you could just decide to sign up and do it like a few months before the race. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so I and I did it, and it was it was amazing. I felt like it really galvanized me as a person, as a runner, as like a strong individual. And then that's when like a week later, my boyfriend and I broke up and I was just like, no problem. I got this. I just ran a hundred miler. I can really, you know, I felt like I could do anything. So I don't know. I just feel like running gave me so much self-confidence. Did you, when you did the hundred, uh, wait, what race was the hundred that you did? Um, that was the Cascade Crest. Okay, that was the Cascade Crest. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, and did Chrissy uh, crew you in that? She did. She crewed, and she paced me literally from, like, 55 miles <laughs> to the finish. And she had just won Hard Rock. No, she didn't win. Wait, did she? No, that's not when she won. Maybe she did. She just won something big, I remember. And... I felt like a rock star because yeah, because she was, I was you. yeah, <laughs> totally, and everybody wanted to talk to her, and it was <laughs> awesome because then I didn't have to talk; I could just follow her and this crowd of people. It's kind of cool that you got to be a part of like the beginning stages of like her su- success of just like seeing her uh, career evolve in that regard as well. Like when you were talking about being her cubicle mate, uh, running her first 50 K, like you kind of saw her evolve as an athlete, as her, as just as her friend, like her good friend. I did. And we, since, you know, have become best friends and it was the year, it was a month after she won hard rock that she paced me at cascade. I remember that, but I had seen her, you know, I paced her at Wasatch and I'd like, paced her at this race in Hong Kong and I did I did get to witness like her evolution and and as she was like rising also like it was in the time when Scott was doing their his thing and the whole Montreal crew was was kind of like the the team to be on and um it was really I I was felt felt lucky to be fortunate because um you know just to be immersed in all this greatness and like not really know what not really realize that they were a big deal or what they were doing was anything special because I was so new to it all so you've done 200 milers Mm -hmm. okay so the first one was what what year was that do you remember 2007 okay and then when's the second one 2009 okay so they're pretty close yeah, they are close. And when I think about it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, 12 years ago? And now it's been 10 years since I've done 100. Do you um, want to do them again ever? I, you know, I always told myself, I, yeah, there's a few that I still want to do. And so just a lot happened. You know, like, <laughs> two babies. Two babies. I got married. I moved. Like, just, um, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So um, I do feel like it's time, but like I'm still nursing. So I just need, I need to like, I remember when I wanted to run my first hundred when I had got finally like caught the bug, I was still in design school and my friend who I was pacing and crewing for at Cascade Crest, he was like, you need to finish design school. He's like, hundreds will always be there. Mm. And I feel like, 
I'm so glad he told me that because then I did finish school. I did start my career. And then I know that th- I know that they'll still be there. And there's like so many more. So I just am being a little patient. Like I'm still just nursing a 15 month old and, um, and that'll be done soon. And then I want to do maybe like two more or I don't know who knows. They might catch the bug again, but I do want to do another one. Okay. So let's, like, let's share the piece of your life where, because, like, you and Scott knew each other for a very long time before mm-hmm. you ended up dating and getting married. So you've been married, what, like, six, five years? Um, Seven years now. Okay, seven years. Um, but we've been together, I guess, 11 years. Okay. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. So is the story really you were friends for just, like, such a long time before you realized, oh, this is, like, something? Well, I mean, that's pretty much it. We were friends. And like I said, he was, he was like, this big deal, I guess, at this company that I worked, he was their main athlete, you know, at Montreal and at all these races, I paced my friend at Western States the year he broke the record. And I still didn't even realize that he was anything, you know, I mean, I knew that he but I guess back then, to like it wasn't as popular it, I don't you know pe- there was no Instagram like, yeah social media has changed things yeah there's like not even any video of him like running these races but can you imagine that um, now like not having video of that now there's just like you can't get away from the cameras and the drones and everything like <laughs> at races but um but back in the day it just seemed still like a fringe thing and yeah we were we were just good friends and he was married and I always had boyfriends and we were in the same like trail running friend circle at in Seattle because it was still pretty small. And so I do, I do like the group runs with them on the long um, trail runs on Sundays. And, um, and then they did like weekly runs um, from this store called Seattle running company. And he would just, we do everybody would do like game night and stuff and he just was like just a really good friend he's always so kind to me and so nice and so encouraging like never talked down to me and even though yeah I remember even I just ran my first half marathon and he was like oh good job like you know he was never like oh that's nothing he just always was a very positive um, influence on my life and and then he used to run with Chrissy all the time so I'd always hear about those adventures and she got married to um at this ultra runner who was also a Montreal athlete and so she and Scott like they they were really good friends too and um it was just like our little scene our little community but then he got a divorce I broke up with my boyfriend and but at the the time it was like oh I was like, hey, come down to Ventura. There's so many hot girls who work at Patagonia. It's like all, it's like all girls, like all amazing, strong, beautiful women who work at Patagonia, by the way. Um, and he was like, okay, I'll come down. And I was like, I'm going to set you up with all these people. And, <laughs> and then he came down and he stayed with me and I lived in this tiny apartment. And actually he and Chrissy came down to run this or to be at this race okay and um so they were both staying with me and Chrissy was like this is awkward she was (laughs) like there's like there's some 
something going and I was like no stop like this, don't be ridiculous Scott that's like the jerker like don't I was kind of just like don't say that but then she left early and then he stayed and then he's like cooking all this stuff and making all this food for me and I was like holy crap I saw this like different side of him I never really saw like a domestic side to him you know Uh it was always just out running and I was like "Ooh, I could get used to this and then we just kind of like hit it off I guess and he just like he just kind of came back visiting um and then he'd come he'd come like twice a month and then he just decided like he just didn't leave (laughs) because he could work he could he was coaching he was still doing his coaching and his PT business and he could do that well no he wasn't doing PT anymore he was just coaching and racing and he and speaking you know doing his thing he could do that from Ventura so that's kind of how it came about. Oh, that's so funny. I love the picture of him, like the picture you painted of him and Chrissy coming down and Chrissy being like, this is weird. Like, she was. Something's she was like, going oh on my. here. She, she was just like, will you, she was like, put him out of his misery. Just kiss him. And I was oh. like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, don't be weird. It was just like strange. But I mean, I guess we did have like a connection or something. Oh, um, that's so good. I love it. It's funny to think about now. Because, you know, like, he was in the friend zone for so long. Mm-hmm. And then to really, like, transition out of that is is a little bit awkward at first, I think. Okay. So I really want to talk about your journey with your pregnancy and and all that. But just really quickly, I want to touch on the vegan thing because I know that's oh, like, okay. if anybody has followed Scott's journey <laughs> and they've read Eat and Run, like they know that his big thing is veganism. Um, and he cooks and you get to like eat all of his delicious food, which I totally relate to that because my husband is the cook in our family as well. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> but we're okay. And we're a vegetarian. We aren't vegan. So were you vegetarian before you met Scott? And are you vegan now? I was vegetarian before I met Scott, so I always give him a hard time because I'm like, I was a vegetarian like since I was um, in seventh grade. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah, and then, um, but then when he started cooking and making all this food, it was amazing and it was just easy for me to just switch to vegan because I'd been veggie for so long up to that point. And I knew um, that I've, that I'm lactose intolerant, but I used to always just deal with it because I'm oh. like, oh, I don't, I don't want to cut out cheese. I love cheese. I so love good. ice cream. Yeah, I know. But then, um, it, there's been, it, there's like a total boom, and there's so much like non-dairy alternatives, and so it was, it was actually really easy, and I felt so much better not eating dairy. Um, that I, yeah, I decided just to stick with it. Okay. And, Question though, my hardest thing mm-hmm. is giving up cheese. Like, I'm like, I think I could totally do it, but I like giving up cheese would be really hard for me. So, like, how do you make a like really good salad exciting if it doesn't have feta cheese in it? Oh, there's an amazing new feta that is so good. I could eat the whole like I could eat the whole. What's block it made of it. out of? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. It's called Real Life. It's so good. You have to try it. I would send you some if I could. <laughs> I could probably find like, it. Era. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm looking it up right now. But anyway, it's amazing. I know that it like Scott loves Greece. He loves all like Greek cuisine and just, just like 
he would do these like seasoned tofu things that make it look like feta, but it wasn't, you know, and it just wasn't the same. But this feta is so good. Oh, okay. So you'll have to try that if that could be like, if that can be like the missing link okay. <laughs> for you. I know. Well, and be, like being, being a vegetarian is like real easy. Like that's not hard at all. Mm-hmm. Be, just moving from vegetarian to vegan. Yeah. Is like, there's, a, there's like once you're obviously you've been doing it for years and like whatever, but like just that step from eliminating like cheese and eggs and, and like milk that all three of those things would be. Difficult. I know. That definitely seems like a big jump. And I think the only reason I was able to do it is because I was lactose. Like, my stomach felt better. My skin got better. Like, I noticed, like, significant difference for me. And so I was like, oh, oh, this is the right – this is better for me. Um, But, yeah, I could – it was hard even just to kind of mentally get – past that like oh I'm not gonna eat ice cream anymore Mm, pastries you know like croissants wait a minute donuts (laughs) um but yeah but now there's just so many yeah there's lots of options Mm -hmm. I mean and if the person that you're with 24 7 is right doing the same thing constantly making yeah and he's making amazing vegan food it's pretty easy okay so question about the kids and that and then we'll talk about how the kids come about um do your kids eat vegan they do um they do but we don't our daughter she's in preschool now and it's it's like all vegetarian but they have like birthday celebrations and they make this whipped cream and sometimes they have butter and we're like we you know we brought her a vegan butter that they keep and stuff but we're just like if she wants to eat the whipped cream let her eat the whipped cream sure you know yeah we're just we're not like super um like strict about it at school but yeah at home at home she's vegan hi everybody i'm gonna jump in and take a quick break to thank a sponsor for this episode and that is hello fresh HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. The last time I got a HelloFresh box, I totally forgot I was getting one and it was the most exciting day ever when I came home on a busy Monday and there it was. Ta-da! And I had three options for dinner to make and it took me about 25-30 minutes to make the meal, which was way more creative and exciting than what I was going to cook had it not been there. I definitely would have made like just plain spaghetti and like a side of broccoli. So HelloFresh gets seasonal. They have simple recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door every single week. All of their meals come together in 30 minutes max. They call for less than two pots and pans and require minimal cleanup. That's a plus. That's very important. They make family dinners fuss-free with HelloFresh's picky eater, kid-tested and approved family plan recipes. They have three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family with the option to switch between for when your tastes change. So get out of the recipe rut and enjoy cooking outside of your comfort zone by discovering new delicious recipes. So friends, you should treat yourself and try this out because I promise you won't be disappointed for $80 off of your first month of HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash another 80 and enter the code ANOTHER80. Again, for $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com 
slash another 80 and enter the code another 80. That's like receiving eight meals free because you get $20 off your first four boxes. And one more thing I want to mention before we get back to my conversation with Jenny is you all need to go check out the Another Mother Runner podcast. Here's a quick message from my friend, Sarah Bowen Shea. Hi, I'm Sarah Bowen Shea, host of the Another Mother Runner podcast. You don't need to be a mom to enjoy the Another Mother Runner podcast. Each week, I'm joined by a co-host to gab a bit about life, then dive into a topic with a guest or two. Nutritionists, sports psychologists, coaches, and everyday women runners getting in their miles. Recent guests have included Shalane Flanagan, Kara Goucher, and Sarah and Ryan Hall. The interviews are conversational and easygoing, peppered with a lot of laughs. The Another Mother Runner podcast is like a best running friend who keeps the chit chat going even on the uphills. Listen to a new podcast of the Another Mother Runner podcast every week or start off with a deep dive of our back catalog with nearly 400 previous episodes. Many happy miles. All right, friends, let's continue my conversation with Jenny Jurek. Okay. All right. So let's <laughs> talk about the babies coming about because you have a like a infertility story with that, a miscarriage story with that. And also, I just want to like mention this is crazy that Scott didn't think he wanted to have kids and he had <laughs> actually had a vasectomy and like totally. had that reversed, which is like totally crazy. Snip, snap, snip. I know. I know. And now I'm like, dude, time to get snipped again. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I'm just like, poor guy. Okay. So but, for, first question yeah. with that, though, is. Okay. Okay. You and Scott become serious. You're dating. Do you know he's had the vasectomy and doesn't want to have kids? Oh, yeah. Tell me. Oh, that. yeah. That was like, I mean, because we've been friends. I mean, that was like common knowledge. Okay. Everybody knew he got snipped at like 26 because oh my gosh. he was he was that weird hippie vegan guy <laughs> in Seattle, you know, and wearing like jean shorts, like riding his bike everywhere with the dog. Like he was definitely the the eclectic vegan um but he yeah so I knew that and when we started dating like I always knew I wanted to have kids too and it definitely was a it was something that I you know always thought about if like once we got once he like we were like living together and stuff it was like okay um because I wasn't getting you know I was like 30 you were was, 30 when you started no, dating? I was, mm, wait, no. Nope, I was 33. Okay. And he was 35. Okay. Or 32. I was like 32 or something. Maybe. Early 30s. Anyway, early 30s. But, you know, 30s is like. You're starting I'm, to think like, okay, I have, t- I have like th- 10 more years here. Yeah, right. You're it's definitely, I'm not in my 20s anymore. So, um, yeah, so it was definitely a thing. And then, um when we decided to move to Boulder together, I was really like, okay, if we're going to do this, you have to get it reversed because who knows if that was even going to work, you know? And I wanted him to do it sooner rather than later. Cause the longer you wait, the less likely that the reversal works, what, you know, whatever. So, um, and so he did. And I was like, Ooh, okay, this guy's committed. Like he's all in. Like, so he, he did. did, he change his mind. Like, with you I want to have babies like yeah it, it was in you know I feel um I just feel like 
you know, different relationships bring out different, different feelings, different like emotions. And he just, he was married and he just, they decided they didn't want to have kids and that was it. And then when he started, when we started dating, it's funny because he grew up around babies, holding babies. His grandparents were foster parents and they would, they had 95 foster kids like throughout their years of care. And he was always changing diapers and, you know, preemies, everything. So he's such a baby person. And then like also helping, he had two younger siblings, you know, he helped around the house with that. He, I'm like, you're made to have babies. And then just like our relationship, he was like, oh yeah, the world isn't so off. You know, he was less like angsty about overpopulation and all this stuff. And he's like, more like, oh, wouldn't it be great to raise like two responsible, like aware, like woke human beings you know yeah so so then yeah then he just changed his mind and then and he he also just knew how much I wanted it like how much it meant to me so he was willing to do that and um yeah and the reversal is way you know way more of a process than getting extended oh I didn't even know you could do that I didn't even know you could get him reversed yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> and um, he was like in the hurt locker for three weeks or so. It's, yeah, it's not like it's not a super. It's it's like full on. So I was like, whoa, he's really committed, and it was awesome. And then we got married after that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your sign that he's fully committed. He's not backing down. He would not yeah. be happy if you ran away. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I know. Okay, so <clears throat> fast forward, um, you have your two miscarriages, right? Mm-hmm. And one's the ectopic pregnancy. Yeah, that was my first one. And that was like he had the reversal, you know, then we were we got married, we we're starting to try to have kids and that just nothing was working and I'm like, Oh, it's you but <laughs> he got tested, like everything was working. Um and then I got tested and everything, like I had every test done under the sun. Uh, and, um, you know, everything showed that we should be having children. And it was, wasn't working for a really long time. And I think it just, it was one of those things of like not being able to control anything. And like, whoa. I, um, it was just really painful and really depressing for a a while because it was like oh we got married we're ready we like bought a house we're we're at this place when now we want to have kids and it wasn't happening and that really like just started to like I don't know just to like wear on us a, a bit so we were just take you know not thinking about it and like doing our thing and we went to race um we went to the Gran Canaria to do this this race and I think it's I forget what the long distance is Scott was it was in the big the big race maybe it's 100k I feel bad not knowing this sorry trans Gran Canaria I forgot what (laughs) distance you were but um it's such a beautiful race and then I was there and I wasn't really running you know I wasn't really thinking about much but I signed up for the 42k version and I'm like, oh, I'll do this. Like, 
no, that sounds fun. Instead of me like waiting around all day, I can like do get a good run in myself. And I signed up for that. And I remember just like, it was so hot at the end. And I was like, oh, this is awful. But uh, like all these people were passing me, like old people, like, like just people. I was like, well, I was it very much at the end and I'm used to being in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, well, this is weird. Like what's going on with me? And then we flew home. And he had an event. He was speaking in Las Vegas. And we like we flew home and we immediately went to Las Vegas. And we were running with his friends, Ian and Josh Brimhall, like guys that he loves racing with. And um, and I remember I was like, uh, I don't feel good. I'm just going to hang back. And I, we did maybe like a 12-mile run. And I was just not feeling great. And we went out to dinner. And I, went to, I remember I went to the bathroom. And I was like, what? why am I bloated? I just ran this 42 K like less than a week ago. I'm like running like what I felt really bloated, but I didn't really think much of it. And then we flew home the next morning and then I didn't feel good. I'm laying on the couch and everything. And I, I was just like, I don't feel good. Um, and then I had to go to the bathroom and it was like 11 at night at this point, I'd been like laying low and I went up to the bathroom, and I guess Scott followed me. He saw me walking funny, and I passed out in the bathroom. And um, I never passed out before, I guess. I and But what happened was my fallopian tube ruptured, and I was, like, bleeding internally. Um, and I didn't know that I had – I didn't know that I was pregnant, and I guess I was seven weeks pregnant at that point but it was you know growing in my fallopian tube and um it was just one of those things where we'd been trying for so long and it was like oh this is not happening and then um I guess it did but in the wrong spot and and it was it was crushing it was just so depressing and so and scary too because I didn't know what had happened and we you know, I could have been, like, in some canyon in Las Vegas when it happened. Like, if it happened 24 hours before, I would be, like, by myself, you know, because they ran off without me. Or if it happened, like, six days before, I would have been in Spain, like, and in the Canary Islands on this race. And I just was so lucky that I happened to be on my couch when it happened. Um, and so we just that to me was like all about like luck and also like proximity to a hospital because Scott just drove me to our hospital and that's when like we got involved with Every Mother Counts which is this nonprofit that helps give you know helps give transportation and care to these women who live in rural parts of the world and have to walk just to get to the clinic and um anyway that's a different topic but um that was my first miscarriage and then because I had lost a fallopian tube and part of an ovary, then we started doing like going down the IVF road because it became even more difficult for us to have a baby. And, you know, that stuff's not cheap. So we like refinanced our house and we like put everything on hold and we really were just, we were going for it. And um, after like, I, oh, at first round didn't work and the second round it worked and I was, eight weeks pregnant and then I had another miscarriage and it was just crushing we were like done we had 
um, we just needed to like get away from all of this, like, you know, hospitals and tests and letdowns. And um, we needed to go um, into the mountains and kind of just like be, just have our own little adventure and not worry about anything else. And so that's when we went on the Appalachian Trail. Okay. So your ectopic pregnancy, you lost a fallopian tube because the ectopic pregnancy was on the tube, right? Yeah, it means that the embryo was growing in the tube and not in the uterus. Okay, it was growing in the tube and not in mm-hmm. the uterus. Okay, mm-hmm. and that can rupture. Mm-hmm. And normally people don't feel good and they have pain before, like before seven, before it ruptures. But yours but ruptured. It did because, you know, you know, women runners were just like, ah, that's some kind of pain. You just kind of ignore it. Like, and people, doctors always tell me that women are so much stronger than men because we'll, we'll like ignore a pain, but like a guy will be like, oh, my arm hurts. <laughs> you know, like I need to go to the doctor. But um, I just didn't think it was a big deal. I had some pain, but I didn't think, I don't know. I didn't. Of course, I didn't think I was pregnant because you've been, been trying. trying for some. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so, but question yeah. with that: Were you getting your period? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Okay. So that's guess, your first sign that you're pregnant. Is like, oh, where's my period? I know, right? Unless you're and not so, getting a regular period, obviously. Yeah, which is maybe I just wasn't tracking it. You know, but I'd always get my period. Like, I guess I just didn't realize that I was late. Well, yeah. And I mean, I remember because we so it took us a couple years to get pregnant with my first and I had two miscarriages as well. Oh, I didn't know that. But I never had that. I never had like an a traumatic miscarriage. Not that miscarriages Mm -hmm. in general aren't traumatic, but like I never had any kind of like scary experience like you experienced. Um, But I do remember like in that process, like getting waiting to get pregnant with the first and then even after the first miscarriage to the second it's like I almost like didn't even want to pay attention to my period because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to think about it and know that like when it came that meant I wasn't pregnant again you know totally and that's exactly where we were we were like taking a break from like peeing on a stick and figuring out when you were fertile you were like not thinking about any of that and so we were, he was doing this race. I did, jumped in on this race, too. He was traveling. Like, we were kind of just trying to clear our heads a little bit. So I was probably, I just wasn't paying attention. In that zone. Well, and I also, I don't know if you ever had these feelings. Like, I also got to the point where I was like, I don't want to take a pregnancy test because I don't want to see a negative sign. Like, I just, I've done it enough times that, like, I don't want to keep seeing it. And it probably sounds funny and weird, for people to hear me say that because I have four kids now you know know, like oh it must be so easy for you and like once we started having babies it did end up like happening fairly easy for us but like I I remember those moments and um my struggle wasn't you know crazy compared to a lot of people but like I can very much remember like I don't want to pee on a stick again because like I'll just be disappointed Oh, totally. I mean, it was like every month I would cry, you know, and I'm just like, I don't want this. I don't want to. I just didn't want that disappointment all the time. And so, yeah, I didn't. And Scott, too, he was like, this is not good for you. He was just like, stop buying the stop buying the stick. Stop, 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 stop. stop. We got to stop all this. Like, stop tracking. You know, I had the apps. I was like doing all this stuff. It's just like, no. 
Did you it, feel like the emotional connection and like the um like when the miscarriages were happening did you sense anything different from Scott than from you? I'm I'm just thinking through my experiences with my husband. I remember the first time I didn't feel like he was as connected, but the second time he's like I remember he actually cried and I was like, Oh, and it's just a different loss because their body's not actually losing. Right. You know? Um, yeah, totally. I mean, well, the first miscarriage for me, it was so traumatic because he, he like caught me in the bathroom and, you know, was like holding me and didn't know what to do, you know? So for him, it was so traumatic because he was like, Oh, am I going to lose you? You know, like he was so scared and, he definitely cried, like, he definitely cried, but he was more, he was so worried about me. So it wasn't about, like, oh, we had a miscarriage. I mean, but then the second one, it was more, it was really emotional for him. He was, like, bawling because because mm. um, we'd been through so much at that point, and especially me, I'd been through so much. Yeah. Like, and, um, yeah, and I mean, and then, you know, when it, all those emotions like resurfaced on the AT when we were suffering, we were like in this another like low raw point. He was just like, oh, my God, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, you know, I just think all those moments like now I look at them with tenderness. But like back then they were so hard and so, so um, just soul crushing Um but then to be on the other side of it now is like, oh, that's what really made us stronger and made us like able to to have a family now and just to be so appreciative and grateful for what we have. Even though there's times when I'm like, what did we do? Wait, wait, we paid for this. Like we have yeah. to <laughs> sometimes, but um, but we no, worked really yeah. hard for this. <laughs> we, <laughs> we worked hard for this life. Wait, um, but. No, yeah, we're so appreciative and grateful for for being able to have kids after all that. Yeah, how common are ectopic pregnancies? I think they're fairly common, but I think the rupture, maybe like ectopic ruptures aren't as common. But um, Do you always have to have surgery yeah. to get it removed, though? Um, well, yeah, because they have to like stop the bleeding and cauterize it. So it's not that it's removed, but it's cut like it's no longer the tube doesn't flow anymore like um well or maybe they remove the whole thing I don't know it just depends on like how bad the rupture is but you know I still had one I still have one tube in there and um apparently I apparently it works because the second baby was just like a miracle it was that's like a so whoa. cool <laughs> yeah and you know you hear those stories too like you of people who tried so hard and then once they got pregnant, then it was like, oh, like the next one was like super easy. Um, but we were not expecting that to happen to us. Yeah. We, um, but yeah, that's how the second baby came around. <laughs> okay. So everybody needs to read North to hear about your journey on the AT with Scott. And actually, also can go back and listen to my live show with Scott because we talk about that in more detail there too as well. Um, but I, I think that it's important to bring that up because when Scott did the AT, he was doing, he was going for the fastest known time. Like you 
crewed him and were there for full support the entire time. And like, I picture myself doing this and I can't, I couldn't do it. What you did, I don't think I could do it, especially not by myself. Like I would need a helper. (laughs) Um, And I want to say, is that the most trying thing you guys have been through with your marriage? But like looking at what you had just come off of, like both of those things are very challenging. Yeah. I mean, it was the most challenging thing we'd been through in our marriage um, just because it was so long. You know, it was like six weeks of a, a kind of stressful situation. Like, but at the same time, it was so fun and it was great. Um, but it, and, and we weren't sleep. There was just, it was still an adventure, even though it was hard and we were like struggling. It still, it still was fun, like type two fun for us, for both of us. Um, and we had just gone through some emotionally draining things that this, the physicality of it all, the stress was, was a good, just a good way for us to, to leave like the sorrow behind, I guess, you know? And so it was just like a different kind of stress on our relationship. Um, but it was a much easier emotionally for us to deal with. Um, and yeah. And then once we got through that, we felt like, Oh, we survived this. We can pretty much survive anything. And, um, and then we finished in July and then we got pregnant in September. So did you, when you finished, were you kind of planning, like, we're going to do one more round of IVF, like give this one more shot once we're back and healthy and sleeping well? Yeah, that was kind of the plan was just to like, cause I'd had the miscarriage in March, no, maybe April, sorry. And then we started the trail at the end of May. Um, and so we just needed to like give my body a chance to like, to recalibrate. And I, you know, I talk about it in the book, like it kind of recalibrated at the worst possible time, um, on the trail. But then, yeah, but then once we finished and got home and we're recovered and uh, able to like think about it again, then we, we did one more round of IVF and this time it actually worked. So we were very excited about that. Is evergreen or raven first? Um, raven is first. <laughs> Raven's a little girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And then do you call him evergreen? Um, well, we call him Evs, mostly just Evs or um, ever. I know it's kind of a strange name, but when we lived in the Northwest, when I lived in the Northwest, I always knew I wanted to have babies. And I loved running through this area in Seattle called Ravenna. Um, when I first got into running, um, it was, there's a lot of parks and a lot of trees. So Raven is short for Ravenna. Her full name's Ravenna. And then um, Evergreen is just, I just always wanted to name a little boy Evergreen. <laughs> so, you know what? I, I have a friend from college and he, she has a little girl named Evergreen. Oh, that's so sweet. I know it's, they call it's her Evie though. Girl. Oh, sometimes we call him that too, but it's, it's too girly but yeah yeah his, his middle name is scott so if he hates it he can just go by scott too <laughs> I, I mean ev though i, I could see that ev, yeah and um it works because in boulder it's totally norm like it's norm core like in boulder oh but, totally um, but yeah i know i'm like e, he might like not love it when he's older but it's sweet for now well i love <laughs> that you guys took like your tragedy with the 
pregnancy and like not just in a miscarriage, but like you, you really like, let's not downplay it. Like you could have lost your life if you would have been in the wrong, wrong place. Oh yeah, definitely. Like this was a big deal that it ruptured. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So you kind of like used that to be a voice and you guys have a platform. And so you've used that to support every mother counts, which I think is really cool. And I just find that like when, for instance, you know, um, Gabe Grunwald just passed away mm-hmm. and like everybody's kind of like focusing energy on like helping donate to her foundation because it's like, what's something tangible I can do to make this a better situation? Like nothing's going to make the situation of, of losing Gabe better. Nothing's going to make the situation of like mothers losing their lives because they mm-hmm. don't have access better. But like, what's something I can do to take a step forward in a positive direction. So you guys have aligned with every mother counts. And I think a lot of people listening probably know what they do, but can you just tell everybody? Oh, sure. Um, it's, it's a great organization and it's all about maternal health. Um, you know, pregnancy, postpartum and delivery. Um, and it's, they are based in New York, but they go all over the world. And we went with them to Tanzania and we went to a clinic and we installed solar, um, you know, solar panels so that this clinic that didn't have electricity, you know, now they have like headlamps and flashlights and, um, you know, and just a little bit of light, which is crazy. But, um, EMC, they raise, so they raise money through races. Like if you want to run a big race like New York or Boston, it's those, um, you can get a, a bib through the charity and you raise money, um, for the bid and it's basically like the tie-in is that some of these women have to walk 42k or the distance a marathon distance just to get to the clinic and so it's these distances are ones that we run for fun like as a hobby and this is like life and death for women and so if we can rate you know run these distances and raise this money then we can help provide transportation to to care for um for these women and then also just um you know the it's not just international but for a developing nation like our maternal health rate is like really poor maybe i think it's the lowest what's up with that of the development i don't know i and sorry if i'm getting these facts wrong but they're pretty close so um but i have no idea but i'm just like i know that we can do better you know there's like no excuse for that and so they, I just really love what they stand for and I love um, their mission and I love the work that they do. They really have made an impact in so many women's lives. And um, Christy Turlington is the founder and she's, she's so inspiring for me. And she's not, it's not just like her little like celebrity cause. She's in the office every day. She's out there in Africa, in Guatemala, like in these places, just really working because she is so passionate about it because she herself, she had her baby, her first baby in a hospital and everything was fine. And then, you know, a few minutes later, she started hemorrhaging. Like, and so it's, it's personal for her and it's like, it's really personal for us too. So we're just really passionate about it and they're great. And so if anybody wants to run with them, just look up everymothercounts.org. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. You you spoke on it better than I would have. And I, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, you think about it like in the U.S., like whenever I go to deliver any of my babies, like you want to think, oh, everything 
there's no way everything's not going to be fine. Like I'm in the United States. I'm like, what are the odds that if something does happen, like I can't be saved. And, but really in the back of my head, every single time I go into labor, I'm like, okay, like this is, yes, it's an everyday thing, but like, this is a serious thing that's about to happen. Totally. I mean, and they try to scare, you know, I was old. I was 39. I was like advanced maternal age. And, um, that's when you had your first, right? When I had my first. Yeah. And like, I, I always wanted like a natural hippie birth, but then my first was breech. Yeah. And so I, like I had to have a C-section and, um, yeah, it's just scary. It, even though it is the most common pedestrian thing that's been going on for centuries, you know, people have been giving birth in the bush for, you know, forever. But like, even even in the U.S., even in a amazing hospital, like I still was worried. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I like. I know some women, even probably some women that listen to this podcast. I know a couple for sure that do that did home births, and I'm like. I just like in the event that the hemorrhaging thing were to happen or anything like that, like I want to be in a hospital. Like I just want to be in a hospital and I, I get why people want to be home, but like, I don't know. It scares me. Oh, totally. I know. And, um, I, one of my good friends in town just had a home, her second home birth, um, like last week, June 3rd. But, um, and that's awesome. I wish that I could have done that. But once you have a like, I, they, I don't know. I just, both of my babies were actually C-sections because my second one, I had a placenta previa. I don't know if you know what that is. Like my placenta was blocking the cervix. So uh-huh. basically like blocking the exit hole, you know? So I knew at 20 weeks that I had to have another C-section. And that's, it was a bummer because I, you know, I never, it was never my plan, but I was just so grateful that I had a great hospital like five miles away. You know, I was grateful for um, the care that I have so close to me. And I feel like, other, you know, what if in some other countries, you know, they didn't have an ultrasound and didn't know that the placenta was blocking that. Sure. You know, yeah. the, you know I just feel fortunate for the the options that we have here, home birth, hospital birth, C-section, whatever, like healthy birth is all I care about. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I had a C-section for my first and then I did the three V-backs, but like, Oh wow. Did you like, did you have a, like a morning of the experience that you thought you were going to have? Do you know what I mean? I did. I totally did. And everybody says, you know, you write a little birth plan and stuff, but then, not to be too tied to it, but, um, but yeah, it's never, nobody, I don't think anybody really looks forward to a C-section. Like I always had, I made a playlist. I was like all ready to go. Oh, like what was you on your know, playlist? Um, just a lot of hip hop, <laughs> like <laughs> stuff that like makes me laugh and just like stuff, mostly like my running type playlist. Like I wanted just to feel strong. Um, and so once I knew she flipped breach at 35 weeks and I did everything I could to try to flip her back, um, head first, you know, but, um, but at 38 weeks, they're just like, "Mm, she's not going anywhere. So I waited though. I, I made it all the way to 40 weeks and she didn't go anywhere. And so we had to do C-section, but it was, 
it was, yeah, I did have a, a little morning of the experience that I wanted or I thought I wanted, you know, it didn't happen, but that's okay. She came out fine. And, you know, I mean, she was, it was a, still a good experience. Tell me your parenting approach. Like what are you guys, <laughs> like your life, are you home full time with the kids? And I know your kids are doing like lots of outdoorsy stuff like Raven's riding like a mountain bike and she's like two <laughs> no I know she's three but still she well she was two she just turned three um on June 1st but oh she was she, two she was two she, she was, was two she was riding I know she's crazy like dropping in at these like pump track which I don't I can't watch but Scott always takes her but she loves being on a bike um so parenting for the first two years, we were we both worked from home, so she was with us full time, and we were trying to write a book and just like alternating who got to go to the coffee shop to work, you know, and who's who was taking care of Raymond. Um, and then um, once the second one was born, because she he was she was twenty they're twenty one months apart. So once the second one was born, we're like, oh, we should probably you know, get some help. So we started her in like a early childhood preschool when she was two. And then she would go three mornings a week. And then we had the little guy full time. But then we had friends who had a baby um, who's two months older than him. And they have a nanny. And so we do a nanny share at the mornings when she's in school. So we had like three full mornings without babies. But for the most part, we always have babies. It seems like we're always around a baby. And so, like, what does work look like for you guys? Like, is Scott doing speaking stuff? Like, I know that you're eventually you want to get back into your design work. Mm -hmm. What does all of that look like? Yeah, it's he travels. He does travel a lot. Um, he does speaking and then stuff for sponsor, like appearances and stuff for sponsors. Like, he's at you know Boston. He's at races and then. He, he also does a lot of nonprofit work. He does a lot of stuff with the vegan community, a lot of um, speaking at veggie festivals. And um, and then he does he does a lot of guiding with um, with visually impaired runners. And so he's just kind of doing his thing. And then we do there's just always a lot of other stuff going on and still a lot of book stuff. And then. Um, you know, it's just, we're just always hustling, I guess. <laughs> um, just trying to make it all work. And it, it does. It works. And we're both able to work from home. So so it's good. It's a little stressful. But um, but we're finally sleep. We're, the baby's finally sleeping. Oh I know. So, um, so it's getting better and better. But are you are you gonna pursue design again, or like are oh, you just like, chilling? And I still am. No, I still am. I've done. Still, okay, I thought you were I've like you were doing Ultimate Direction stuff. Yeah, I've been. Mm -hmm. And then I'm trying to get them to do another do another um, pack with me. And we did like some North specific products for them, and so I still design for them, and I'm still. Um, doing some other side projects but I eventually once the little guy starts preschool um then I can then I'll have a little more time to pick up like um more like full more gigs I guess like more design work like freelance stuff 
Freelance. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of companies in town that I really I've been talking to and I'd love to work with them as soon as I have a little more time. What's like your dream product to design? Um, I mean, I love, I love, and it's, I, you know, I love baby stuff now, but I really would love to do like a collection for active moms, you know, and because when I was pregnant, I still ran um, and I wore this like support belt thing. And I was like, oh, it'd be nice to have a sporty version of this where you could like put your phone and your gels. But I don't know. That's so niche. Like I would love to do like baby carriers and kind of products to get get help getting families and kids outside. Yeah, what's the what's the carrier that you, I mean you guys obviously go hiking with your kids a lot. What's your favorite baby carrier that you guys use? Um, well, we have for longer kind of hikes for Raven, we have a Osprey backpack, which is great, but I think you know, we do daily. It's too much. It's like too oh, it's too designed, sure. fancy and yeah. padded and stuff. So, we use this like this old it's called a Coco Packs. <laughs> it's just like a really um, small backpack carrier for for the babies. And then now Raven hikes a little bit, but um, we both wear a backpack. We both keep them in the back. All right, Jenny. Well, I wish that we could have gotten into the AT just a little bit more, but I knew that we weren't going to have time for that because we had I had so many other things I wanted to tell you. But the good news is, is that people can hear all about that trip in your book and also um, in that first interview with Scott. So exactly, everybody needs to listen to that because it's such a powerful story about both sides of taking on a, an adventure like that. And you were, you were a champion in that trip. So I just can't say that oh, enough. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, everybody who has ever crewed for a hundred miler, yeah. like you know, the the vehicle gets trashed. It's just like garbage and food and stuff all over. I mean, imagine doing that for six weeks straight oh, and then gosh. living in like living in it too. Just, you slept in there's it. There's no escape. Yeah. I just can't imagine. <laughs> just crazy. But um, we made it work. <laughs> You're a badass. Oh, thank you. All right, Jenny, what is um, one thing uh, professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done? I still, I would love to do a through hike. Like I'd love for Scott and I to finish the PCT. We started it um, in 2013 and yeah, it's something that we still want to go back to do and finish. So that's always like on my list. So you do piece by piece. We, yeah, but we've only done two pieces. So the first 220 miles and we still have a long way to go. On How that. many miles but, is it? I mean, um, gosh, good question. I I know it's longer than the AT. I think maybe it's. I feel bad that I don't know. He would know, but maybe twenty seven hundred, twenty eight hundred miles. I feel bad. I don't know. Remind us how long the AT is. Um, twenty one eighty nine. Two thousand one hundred and eighty nine miles. Wow. I know. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, what is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Um, I think, gosh, I, I guess finishing UTMB was that's the second hundred mile that I ran. Um, I'm super proud of that because it wasn't like my best day, but I got it done, and that's like being up for you know two nights in a row, and um, and it's so beautiful. What's the best, most recent book you've read? 
Uh, well, I'm still, I'm, you know, reading isn't as frequent as it used to be, but I'm yeah. in the middle of, I'm in the middle of educated and I oh, love it. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Yes, I it's have. It's a memoir. Yeah. You would love it because it's, it's about this, this girl who grew up in a really rural area in Idaho and just her parents were like super, super off the grid. Like, and I like to think we're raising, you know, like wild outdoorsy kids, but these when I listen to her stories I'm like it's crazy what they did but crazy in a good way crazy good um I really like it and it's also about like she grew up they her parents didn't believe in school and education she didn't even have like a birth certificate but then like she ended up going to school and like um you know it's just like I feel like as I'm raising little kids just their own will is gonna come through like whatever they want to do you know, like it doesn't matter what I want them to do, but they're gonna do what they want to do. So, it's 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 been really interesting re- reading it. Would you guys homeschool? I'm I'm asking because I feel like you like to travel a lot, and once the kids are in school, you're kind of like tied down. I know we definitely talk about that all the time, and our friends um, who also are traveling, active outdoorsy, they all homeschool or road school as they really? call it. Um, yeah. And I feel like it's something that we need to really think about because we do want to keep traveling and Scott travels so much for work and it seems like it would be, well, I don't know. It, yeah. It seems like it would be good for our lifestyle. Do you homeschool? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Uh, we don't. But we don't. We don't travel. Like <laughs> no. we're not travelers. Like, and I just well, I don't well, think I, mean, I could have do it for a little one. Yeah, that's the one thing too. I'm like, what are the requirements I here? Think, but I heard. <laughs> I think the only <laughs> I way I could do it, like without losing my personal yeah, sanity. Yeah is if we were rich and I could like hire a personal teach a private teacher to like come do the teaching and I could still like, totally. you know, just cause I just, I don't think I would ever have the patience, but, um, I'm sure that's what rich people who do, who do, who, um, you know, homeschool though, you know? Yeah, totally. A private I mean, teacher is probably real expensive know. though. <laughs> I bet. I, I don't really know, but so far my kids, my friends would, who do it, they have little ones and they're like, oh, the requirements aren't that much. Like, sure. They say it's not that rigorous until they're like over eight. Sure. So I don't know. You could do I it for a while and then if the math starts getting too hard. You could... I know, but it sure is nice having them gone for three months. You know, right. for the time it's nice to like get stuff done. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Um, I guess if so, you sent your kids to private school though, um, having one teacher for all of your kids probably wouldn't be, would be, wouldn't be that much more than setting a bunch of kids. To oh, school. Yeah, we, we do public true. school though. Yeah. So yeah. Oh gosh. We okay. Too. <laughs> um, okay. Educated. That sounds good. Oh yeah. It's good. Check it out. I don't remember if you answered this before. I know I've asked you some of these, but I thought in a, this different setting, like not in front of like 350 people, live audience, your answers might be different. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you could have coffee, cocktail, or tea with someone fun, motivating, or inspiring, who would it be? I mean, um, I remember, I think you asked Scott that, and I was like, oh, what would he say? But I have been fortunate to, you know, maybe I would say Yvonne Chenard, but I know him, you know, I worked for him. He's the founder of Patagonia, and he's amazing. But um, really, one of the people I would love to have 
tea or coffee with is my friend Dean Potter, who passed away because he was such this inspiring, special person. And I really loved how he always looked at life and his projects and, you know, climbing and art. And he just was just looked at life differently, always like seeking the edge and always like wanting to live life to the fullest in a way that was so like, I don't know, like, I don't even have the words to describe him, but just him not being around and not having him as a person in my life is really, I feel like this void. And so I would love to be able just to like have one more chat with him. Like, um, would you guys have coffee cocktail or tea what would he like um probably tea tea (laughs) (laughs) um what's one message you'd like to send to the world ah that's one message probably just like you know to be in the present like lit the time is now really is like check all your boxes now while you can you know because yeah, life is so short and fleeting and you never know what's going to happen. And so I feel fortunate that even though it did take us a while to have kids and um, I was able to check a lot of boxes off and um, do a lot of things that I wanted to do. And I'm still doing them even with kids. So just, yeah, don't wait. Yeah, I was going to say, have you found that shift though, like a little bit since you've had kids? Like I... Sometimes I, I have that same, I feel those same sentiments, but sometimes when you have kids, like there's so much that ends up being routine that you're like, oh, I don't want to like say no to these things just because I have kids and I want to live in the moment. But sometimes like the nap is going to win. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I mean, you know, I see that, but it's like having kids, especially young ones right now, it's everything is kind of on hold, right? <laughs> for for that like everything is just oh we got to be home for the nap got to be home for this and that um so yeah I'm just being patient and knowing that like my time will come again when I have a little more freedom and more free time to to do more things but this is this is a box that I wanted to check is like is having kids so I'm enjoying that and like living that this is where you are this is you living in the moment totally this is me (laughs) Um, yeah. So good. Well, Jenny, thank you for dealing with my raspy voice today. Oh, no, I love it. It's sexy. Hey. And like, it really sounds like like I either just woke up or just smoked a pack of cigarettes. This is (laughs) so edgy. Um, I love talking to you more and I hope that I can see you guys sometime if I ever come to Boulder or, you know, if you ever randomly come to Indy again. (laughs) Well, we, we have good friends there, so we definitely will be coming back. And we'd love to come back for the mini, actually, sounds oh, cool. Oh, yes, do that. I hope you do. It is really fun, actually. Awesome. Well, I hope I didn't eat up all of nap time, and I oh, hope you no. enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. It was great talking to you. Okay, we'll stay in touch. Okay, okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, Jenny, for coming on the show and sharing your story so honestly and openly loved talking with you. You guys can find Jenny on Instagram. She's Jurix on the run. Make sure you go pick up a copy of Scott and Jenny's book North. And if you're interested in helping 
with the fight against breast cancer, visit the3day.org to get involved and join that movement. They've got events across seven cities all over the U.S. coming up. The3day.org. And make sure you check out that deal with HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash another 80 and enter another 80 at checkout. You guys can find me on social media. I'm LindsayHine626. You can find me on Twitter at LindsayHine. And you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine, where we have an awesome group over there as well. A great community over there. We'd love to have you join us. Links to all of that and everything we talked about in the podcast and also all the sponsor information is in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. All right, you all. Thank you so much for putting up with my scratchy voice today. I should be back on track tomorrow. And have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend. And as always, I'll see you next Friday.